Hello, everyone, and welcome to Martaloop Church. And Happy New Year. Uh, I hope you're having or uh, have had a good Christmas break. And I hope that 2022 will be a blessed year for you, for all of us, a year where we find a strong footing, where we all come to know God more, uh, a year when, hopefully, Lord willing, this pandemic finally starts to wane and come to an end, and a year when you'll be able to fully live into a good, beautiful, new, true normal. All right, this month we begin a new series of messages, as we do every month, um, but this month uh, focusing on the theology of winter. Today we're going to talk about the parable of winter, next week the theology of ice, the science of ice and nature of ice, and then the following week for our event Sunday we're going to have a uh, skating party, hopefully on the rink across uh, from the church here in the park, and we're actually going to skate on the text. So more details on that as we go ahead. Uh, but today, the, the parable of winter. So the other day I read these words in Psalm 74. They're addressed to God. With your finger you opened up springs and creeks and dried up the wild floodwaters. You own the day, you own the night. You put stars and sun in place. You laid out the four corners of the earth, shaped the seasons of summer and winter. And so God shaped winter, the, the seasons and how they work and how they're natured are ideas that came from the mind of God. Winter is a product of God's frosty, cosmos-creating imagination, and by his icy breath, it came to be. He orders the snow, blanket the earth. No one can escape the weather, it's there, and no one can escape from God. Wild animals take shelter, crawling into their dens when blizzards roar out of the north and freezing rain crusts the land. It's God's breath that forms the ice. It's God's breath that turns lakes and rivers solid. A couple of winters ago, I took this photo in my neighborhood of a small tree in a small park near my house. And I was just driving down the street with Edward, and I looked over and saw this scene, and, and it called out to me. And so I quickly pulled over, pulled out my camera, and started walking toward this tree. And then from a distance, um, I just stopped and stood there and took it in for like five minutes, um, engaging its frigid, foggy beauty and the calming peace of that serendipitous place. I let the glory of its winterous wonder shine on me. It was a stilling moment. In her book uh, entitled Wintering, Catherine May, author Catherine May, writes this. 
Our knowledge of winter is a fragment of childhood, almost innate. All the careful preparations that animals make to endure the cold, foodless months, hibernation and migration, deciduous trees dropping leaves, this is no accident. The changes that take place in winter are a kind of alchemy, an enchantment performed by ordinary creatures to survive. Dormus laying on fat to hibernate. Swallows navigating to South Africa. Trees blazing out the final weeks of autumn. It is all very well to survive the abundant months of spring and summer, but in winter we witness the full glory of nature's flourishing in lean times. Plants and animals don't fight the winter. They don't pretend it's not happening and attempt to carry on living the same lives they lived in the summer. They prepare. They adapt. They perform extraordinary acts of metamorphosis to get them through. Wintering is a time of withdrawing from the world, maximizing scant resources, carrying out acts of brutal efficiency and vanishing from sight. But that's where the transformation occurs. Winter is not the death of the life cycle, but it's crucible. It's a time for reflection and recuperation, for slow replenishment, for putting your house in order. Doing these things, these deeply unfashionable things, slowing down, letting your spare time expand, Getting enough sleep, resting, is a radical act now, but it's essential. I remember when I was young, um, carving snow caves out of the huge snow piles that would be left by the snow plows after they plowed our city street. And uh, after digging for a couple of hours, I would end up uh, creating this perfect boy-sized cavern. Uh, and then crawl in, uh, totally hidden away from the world, uh, wrapped in white and quiet, um, shades of pale blue light eking through the translucent cracks and my breath just hanging in the air. And, and looking back at those moments, I think maybe those were the proto-moments, maybe the first time I engaged the peace of God. Uh, a wintry word of invitation whispered through a boy's snowy hideaway. And it was just so beautiful, and I can even remember how it felt now, recalling the story. And so today, we're going to talk about God's good gift of winter, because I know you have winter stories too. And hopefully, you'll hear God's invitation uh, to be with him in this dormant, not-so-dormant season, and to know his chilly, stilling presence. Before we get into that, um, please join me in a prayer. God, we thank you for making the world the way you did, and the seasons um, the way they are, and for making this season of winter that we're living right now. Uh, different for all of us in different places, but up here in Canada, a very white, chilly, um, um, stark and impacting time of year. 
And so we pray that as we explore just a little bit what winter is all about, that we'd uh, hear your voice and see your breath and uh, know your Spirit's presence um, through this time. So meet us in this way, uh, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. In the book of Job, when Job is at a very low point in his life and his world is crashing in and he doesn't know how much more he can handle and he's asking God a lot of questions, why, 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 God, is this happening to me? God asks Job this question. Have you ever traveled to where snow is made, Job? Seen the vault where hail is stockpiled? Who do you think is the father of rain and dew, the mother of ice and frost? You don't for a minute imagine these marvels of weather just happen, do you? Do you? For many winters now, I have come to better understand this chilly season via a whole bunch of walks uh, through the Weaselhead, a natural area in my neighborhood here in Calgary. And often when I'm out on these wintry walks, I ask myself, why did you make this, God? Why this season with all of its snow and cold? Is there, is there something, God, you want to tell us through the nature, the precise nature of winter? I mean, like all people of faith, I just love the beauty and the mystery and snow-laden trees, etc. And of course, that's a very good thing and a way to meet God. Um, but I think, and I always ask, uh, I think there's something more to nature. Nature doesn't just affirm that God is there, but I think it also tells us, if we look at it and question it rightly and listen attentively, tells us what God is like. Like how you can tell that a Tom Thompson, group of seven artists here in Canada, that a Tom Thompson is a Tom Thompson. Winter is your handiwork, God. So what does winter say about who you are? Now, I have no, really no idea what the answer to that question is and have not figured it out uh, much at all. But I have learned a few things on all of my winter wanderings. Um, and first, the one, the one main thing is the one that Catherine May already eloquently pointed to in that reader reading I read earlier, that God is the kind of God who created a season where nature and all things are called to rest. Trees rest, the ground rests, water rests, some animals rest, and through this, God reminds us that we, as human beings and all of creation in an all of creation way, are made in the image of a God who rests. Winter points to the restful nature of God. By the seventh day, God had finished his work of creating on the seventh day, he rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day. And he made it a holy day, because on that day he rested from his work. Rest is holy. His work, all the creating God had done. This is the story of how it all started, of heaven and earth, 
when they were created. So winter is a seasonal Sabbath. And through winter, God whispers, whispers to you, rest. On a blanketed, snowy Calgary morning, or wherever you live, when all the acoustics are so brilliantly muffled, God extends an invitation to you. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened by this time, by your life, by this pandemic, and I will give you rest. In an On Being podcast I listened to, uh, checked out last week, host Krista Tippett was asking author Catherine May uh, what she thought uh, made, no, made snow unique, and May responded with these words. I think snow, what I love about snow, is the way it makes a clean break. It transforms the landscape. Everything's different. Everything sounds different. The quality of life is different. The light kind of sparkles off of it. And you know before you open your curtains that snow has landed. And for me, I just think that's such a gift. It's a break in the routine. It's a little bit like a kind of pause. You get to see your world in a different way, and it's beautiful. So back to that theme of rest. Every time it snows, God is reminding you and calling you to a season of rest. With every winter season, creation is affirming that God is a restful God. God wove rest into the very seasonal fabric of the world. And I think that's maybe a, the next thing or a second thing that winter teaches us about God, that there are seasons and that there is a time and a purpose and a place for everything. God created a universe that has a grain to it, and there, there is a way to be a human being and live this human life, a way of living these frail, fleeting human moments that we've all been given. When Tippett asked May how writing her book helped her become more human, May said this, I think what it means to be human is to live a life that's deeply cyclical. Life is fundamentally cyclical. Everything repeats itself, nothing lasts. And that sounds very nihilistic, but I don't think it is actually. I think that if we can truly grasp and believe how fleeting life is, how delicate, how subject to powers beyond our control, that we can begin to set our minds to a better way of living within it. That isn't tormenting itself with trying to grasp on to things that cannot be grasped and trying to assert ourselves in places where that is completely meaningless to do. That, for me, is humanity, I think. And of course, hearing her words, I couldn't but hear echoes of the words of the Old Testament writer uh, in the wisdom book, Ecclesiastes. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing, is, nothing under the sun is truly new. For everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. 
And then at the end of that book of Ecclesiastes, the, the writer provides his answer to the question of what it means to be human by calling us to remember that we have a creator who we're meant to know and experience, and to remember that before the silver cord of life is, is severed, and to remember that before your season is over. Uh, with these words, Now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. And again, to fear God in that Hebrew Old Testament context is to know God in God's godness, to revere God, to live as though God is real and present in your life, to live a life near unto God, and to know God as the one who made you for himself. And this is the truth for us, right? None of this world, none of anything would exist uh, were it apart from God. And our lives would not hold together, the cosmos would not hold together were it not for God's very real presence. In God, we live and move and have our being, the ancient Romans used to say. And the chilling nature of winter echoes this fact, which I guess is the third thing that winter has taught me about who God is. And I'm now thinking of a time when I was up on a ridge maybe two or three years ago in the weasel head, and it was freezing that day, and the wind was blowing furiously, and I was asking the question, only me, <laughs> what, what is the theology of cold, and what does cold really mean, God, right? And I realized in that moment, were I not wearing a scarf and a hat and boots and gloves and my coat? And Long John's, that cold, uh, had I been there long enough, would have taken my life away. I am so thermodynamically uh, needy. And I realized there, you know, I, I am vulnerable. The cold is teaching me this, and I need protection from the elements. And if my body gets uh, too far off a of 37 degrees Celsius, I am going to be in trouble. Now, we don't think about that much nowadays. We have GPS and Gore-Tex, and I know that's true. Um, we don't have to worry, but the truth is, as human beings made the way we're made, we need to stay warm in order to stay alive. And here's where the theology starts to creep in. We need an external source of energy to maintain our frail and fleeting lives. We need the sun, physiologically. Cold, I learned, uh, draws heat. It's nothing. It, cold is just the thing that draws heat from warm things. Its nature is to draw energy from more energized adjacent sources. And we need the adjacent source, that is God. And we need the energizing power of God's ever-present spirit. When the friend comes, Jesus said, the spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth there is. We need this. He won't draw attention to himself, but will make sense out of what is about to happen in life, in the lives of those he was speaking to then, in our lives as these seasons change and change again. And indeed, out of all that I have done and said, he will honor me 
And here's the exchange that's interesting. He will take from me and deliver it to you. Everything the Father has, God the Father has, is also mine. That is why I've said he takes from me and delivers to you. So Jesus mediates the warmth of God's wisdom and love and presence to us. We need Jesus, God's Son, in order to have life and to have it fully. And this is a lesson that winter teaches. Without the warmth of God's presence, life cannot flourish or exist fully because we have nothing to draw upon to give us that life because Jesus is the light and the warmth and the truth and the beauty of the world. In an article on the holiness of winter, uh, David Rensberger wrote this. Winter's peace also brings with it conditions and qualities congenial to the spiritual life. There is stillness. If we pay attention, there are also new ways of seeing the familiar, revealing new aspects of things we thought we knew. Sometimes winter lets you hear and see things you might normally miss. I mean, don't you love how the snow highlights the beautiful complexity of, of tree branches? I look at a scene like this and say, you, you call us, Lord, to remain in you in all these wonderful, complex, intertwined ways. You call us to be branches that are rooted in your life so that we can have life and bear fruit. Have you ever noticed how dead leaves can sometimes cradle the snow and known in that moment just how held your life is by God and how he's always holding you? You know, especially when you can't see or it's dark or you're worried or paralyzed by fear or doubt or meaninglessness or feeling lost, you know, especially in this cold pandemic time. And what about all those incredible snowflake shapes, architecture, structures, all those threes repeating again and again and again, born out of your Trinitarian wisdom and imagination, God. And surely we've all experienced those moments when winter light, a late day light in winter, looking out on a field of snow, it's just right, and it's as though there are a billion points of light shining on us. And in those times, how can we not recall God's covenant promises? You know, as many as the sands on the seashore, as many as the stars in the sky, so many of us he has drawn to himself, so many of us, to so many of us he's extended the invitation, I will be your God and you will be my people. And when we notice all the different colors that white can take on, I learned this from my friend Aaron, uh, it, it becomes blue in that light and yellow in that light, like an infinite number of shades of white that is given to us through snow. 
How can we not be reminded in that place that each of us bears God's unique image, God's image in a unique way? Each of us reflects the light of Christ in our own way. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them, God? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. After making a hole in Walden Pond's ice and viewing what was below, Thoreau said these words, Heaven is under our feet as well as over our heads. Winter reminds us of this through all of that ice. Um, And this is important to know if you're feeling alone or bored or dark or lost or languishing. Um, There may be more going on in your life beneath the surface, that frozen surface, uh, beneath all of that ice, snow, and pandemic chill, then you know. Something beautiful. Uh, God speaking deep things into you, even if you're not hearing the voice clearly. Uh, Through the starkness, through the darkness, a light and a white shining through. This week, I uh, did a quick word, uh, word search uh, online uh, of the word winter in the Bible and was surprised. It shouldn't have been a surprise, of course, but I was so surprised when I found this. They were celebrating Hanukkah just then in Jerusalem, and it was winter. Jesus was strolling in the temple across Solomon's porch, and the Jews circling him said, How long are you going to keep us guessing? If you're the Messiah, tell us straight out. And it was that line. It was winter. Jesus experienced winter, the Middle East version of winter. And surely he saw snow. It's referenced in the Psalms. Psalms, snow falling on Mount Zalman. And surely Jesus knew how to read the seasons. And surely Jesus knew how to experience and know in deeper ways his Father's presence through winter. Winter that was made in and through Christ, surely he understood nature's whispers. He understood that seasons change. He understood that he was ushering in a new one, a new season of God's rule over creation, a kingdom of God season, where the will of God and what God wants the world to be is reality, a time where everyone will know God. We won't have to tell our neighbors, and they won't have to tell us, because we're all going to know because God has so transformed our hearts and beings. A season of perfect peace and rest and play. And I think now, in the middle of this now second pandemic winter, I think Jesus is inviting you 
I know Jesus is inviting you again to enter into the stillness of his presence in this place, to see his light, his magnificent light, reflected in all of that white, in all of those places, and to enter into his rest anew, to see his face, to hear his heart beating as you lean onto him in new ways. This is the invitation of winter. This is his invitation to us all now. Please join me in a prayer. And so, Lord, the next time we're out uh, in a snowy space, in a barren winter place, and the stillness of the season whispers, help us hear your whispering words of invitation again. Come to me all you who are laboring so much, and I will give you rest. Hear this, our prayer, we pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. All right. Uh, Dan has the weekend off, um, and I figured with a January 2nd year-beginning winter meditation, um, that would be just fine, and I could just end, we could just end this service with a blessing. So let me bless you with uh, God's blessing now. And uh, have a great week this week and great month, and uh, we pray you'll be able to join us uh, throughout this Theology of Winter series. So go now into this day and uh, this week and this life with these words. May the grace of God, your heavenly Father, uh, the creator of the cold, and the life and love and um, snow speaking power and uh, work of the Holy Spirit and the, uh, the architectural wisdom of winter, that is the person of Jesus Christ, go with, bless, and keep you all. Amen.